Welcome to the Insight Through Experience podcast, a podcast created to provide information about what life is like inside the most specialized special tactics organization in the U.S. Air Force. In these episodes, we'll be bringing you the experiences from many of our experts, ranging from our human performance optimization staff, our combat mission supporters, as well as our special warfare operators. Our main objective with these podcasts are to provide the listener with a unique look inside our culture of excellence in hopes that you will make the 724 a future career goal. Now sit back, relax, take some notes, prepare to hear from some of the Air Force's finest. Thank you for joining us on the Insight Through Experience podcast. Welcome back to the Insight Through Experience podcast, everybody. This week, we are continuing our support focus, and we have Chris from our Religious Affairs section. This was a very interesting interview for me because I've been at the organization long before we ever had our first chaplain here. And now that we're a group and we have a robust chaplain section with Religious Affairs personnel here as well, I have seen the overwhelming benefit to have these folks integrated so seamlessly throughout the group. I think you will agree with me as well after you hear the interview with Chris because he's just such an energetic guy who loves what he does. And you can just tell when you have people here um, that love what they do and they integrate successfully throughout the organization with both the operators and the support, then the organization can start pushing itself to higher levels of performance and resiliency. And as you'll hear Chris say in the podcast, we have a current vacancy for a religious affairs airman right now inside the group, and we need to fill that ASAP so we can continue the line of effort with taking care of those who are taking care of the nation. So with all that said, let's get into this interview with Chris and learn about how religious affairs is integrated throughout the 724. All right, I want to welcome Chris to the podcast. Thanks for joining us today, Chris. Hey, thanks, Trey. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to get to share my story with the community. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on here, brother. Um, so give the audience a quick summary of where you grew up and how you ended up in the Air Force. Sure. My, so my name is Chris Chamberlain. I joined the Air Force right out of high school from small town, Ohio. Uh, my family was very poor growing up, and there was not a lot of options for college. And I knew uh, I, I didn't want to go and get in a bunch of debt. So uh, my grandfather and my uncle were in the Marines, and they, they were pretty adamant to tell me that the Air Force was a better option. And um, I, I took their advice, went to the recruiter, and uh, I got a job as a explosive ordnance disposal. And uh, in basic training, something happened where I got uh, revectored into a different career field based off some things that happened at basic. And I never got the opportunity to try out for EOD, but uh, I got to choose a different job. And uh, I got to uh, join the Air Force as an aviation resource manager. And that's what I started out uh, my career doing. How long did you spend as a resource manager for aviation? Yeah, so I did, uh, I did that job for six years. And I essentially came to my reenlistment uh, time frame. And I knew that I wanted to uh, just kind of see what the Air Force had to offer me. And working around aviators, uh, I was really interested in flying. So I put in a package to, to fly. Uh, what happened, though, the... The flight doc's office uh, forgot to check uh, my kidney function. So they never completed my flight physical, even though they said they did. So it never got to the surgeon to, to approve. So I've been, I was sitting there waiting. And during that time, chaplain assistant Carifield picked me up because it was critically manned. So they, they saw my name on the list. I put it on there because I knew I could do it. 
and uh, they got me instantly. So I never got the opportunity to do that, but I, I was able to get uh, to be a you know chaplain assistant then. Now religious affairs. So religious affairs. When when they were told you, or when you found out you were being picked up for religious affairs, uh, what was going through your mind at the time? So I, I knew a lot of chaplains. I knew a lot of chaplain assistants, and I did not like the chaplain corps as a as an outsider looking in. I didn't like what they did um, because I didn't really know what they did, and I wanted to change that. And the only reason I even put on the list was because I, when I was deployed to Afghanistan, I was working with RPAs. And the chaplain team, the religious support team, would come to our unit and offer a Bible study, offer time to talk, and just kind of invest in our lives. And that was the best part of my deployment, was getting on Sunday, them coming to our unit and just hanging out with us. And I was like, wow, this, this staff sergeant is just hanging out with the chaplain all day, talking to people about God, about life, spiritual things. And then, then they would leave and go to dinner together, or they would host another type of Bible study or something like that. And I was like, that's the coolest job in the Air Force. If you're getting to help all these these um, these warfighters, getting to help all these people that are struggling all day, every day, like, that's what I want to do. I want to deploy and do those types of things. So I ultimately wanted to fly, but I knew, hey, I could do this job really well. I know that. So um, that was what I was thinking about. I was like, I'm going to get into the chaplain corps and I'm going to change change the perception because my perception is they don't do anything but i'm going to change that perception i love that story love that story uh i guess this probably goes with the territory but um did you grow up religious did you grow up in church how did that that's a great question thanks for asking um i i did not my family's not religious at all still to this day i'm probably the most religious in the whole family and uh, after I joined, I was sent to Osan. After that uh, short tour, I got to Eglin as my second base, but really my first long-term base. And um, the chaplain briefed and said, hey, we have Bible study for people in the dorms. And if you want to go, it's on Tuesdays. So I was like, I'm going to go because uh, I really want to. And I, I got there, I went, and I essentially I was saved probably in high school, but the term saved. But um that moment, that Bible study really got me serious about learning about God and his character and, and Jesus, who he is. So um, that started my career, my life uh, of pursuing that and pursuing the knowledge to know and how to how to really serve God better uh, as, a, as a human on this planet. So. I love hearing the story, man. This is very interesting. Um, I only know you through passing and through some ANS stuff, but yeah, I love hearing the story. So go over your bases again. So when you came in the Air Force, list your assignments out for us again so the audience can follow along. Sure. So my first base was Osan. Uh, second base was Eglin Air Force Base at Eglin. Let's, stop. Let's go back to Osan. How in the world did you end up at Osan for your first base? You're, you're, it's a surprise to me, too. I was 18 years old. Uh, when I got there, uh, I was only four months in the Air Force by the time, like, from January. I joined in January basic training. Four months later, I was in Osan at my first duty station trying to figure out life. I didn't even know what to do. Like, I showed up completely with one backpack and one duffel bag, and that was my life. And I didn't even bring civilian clothes because I didn't know yet. It's coming from tech school. All you wear is your uniform. Can't imagine that, man. I cannot imagine being in Osan when I'm 18. So my supervisor meets me at the airport. I'm like calling him, yes, Sergeant, you know, reports is ordered almost that type of thing. And he's like, w you know, go home and change because you're in uniform. Go home and change and um, 
we'll go out and get, you know, dinner or something. And I was like freaking out. And I was like, I don't even have to in gloves. And he's like, what are you doing? Like, nobody told you anything. I'm like, no, I don't know anything. Uh, so that was, it was, it was interesting. Yeah, that's crazy. Then you said you went to Eglin. How'd you end up at Eglin? Did you get to choose that or did the Air Force yeah, choose that for you? It was a basic preference. Uh, it was just my first, uh, it was the first stateside I, I chose just because it was Florida and the beach and I thought it would be awesome. Um, spent five years there and I was working in flight test. So uh, all my customers were flight test pilots, which was, I, I got spoiled because every leader I ever worked for was some of the best the Air Force has to offer. And when you're in an environment with the best leaders, you get treated very well and you get uh, developed very well. So when, uh, so I, I did my five-year stint there and then cross-trained and Hanscom Air Force Base near Boston was my first duty station as a, a religious affairs. And uh, there was a difference in the caliber of the people who you work for, right? Like nothing against anybody there, but it was just coming from test pilots, best of the Air Force that has the offer to just kind of big blue. And uh, it really got me to be like, wow, I was spoiled uh, coming in the Air Force. How long did you do a Hanscom? I was a Hanscom uh, four years. Four, so a total of four. How long have you been in? Ten and a half. Ten and a half. Awesome. So uh, how how did you end up at Hanscom and hearing about the 724? So I was already going to interview for the 724 as an aviation resource manager. Um, I had a lot of friends that were special operations. Uh, I had heard about it. They had recruited me, like probably Mark or Rob, I don't remember, uh, reached out to me to, to kind of interview for that. But I got picked up for that deployment I mentioned previously. So because I had to deploy, I couldn't, I couldn't do the assessment. Um, so when I got back, I, I met uh, my wife, my then-girlfriend, my wife, and I was kind of just kind of focused on that. And about six months later, I cross-trained. So it wasn't much time for me to even go back and try and, and pursue the 724 because um, I was thinking about cross-training anyway because of my first-term airman status. Uh, so when I did, I was like, yeah, I'm still going to pursue the 724 later, right? Uh, so by the time I hit my, my time on station, uh, I, was, I was talking to Mark, sent me an email, and I was like, wow, you emailed me twice, and here I am. I'm, I'm going to come out. How has it been since since the day that you got picked up um, integrating when you got to the organization? Explain that for us. And then on the backside of that, or you do this, you, you sort this out however you want to. Also explain how you guys are set up internally inside the 724 as a chaplain corps and as the uh, RAs. Absolutely. So I'll start with that setup. Um, so I was hired specifically by the 2-4 commander. And... I was originally PCS to the 2-4. When I got here, that whole we had a whole org change, and so I got lined in the HPO and uh, PCA to the 7-4. So originally, the intent was, you know, working at the 2-4 with the 2-4 chaplain as my kind of supervisor and him working directly for the commander. And that changed to where it's now the HPO as a whole, and I'm at the group. Okay. So when I got here, Chaplain Han Nat, had uh he took great care of me he knew my wife was coming down here before i was uh for six weeks while i was still pcsing because she had to get a job as a teacher down here before the school school year started so he took great care of us he brought us chairs tv food groceries he just he treated us like he was we were his new best friends and he was super excited to have us work with him uh, 
um, and I started work and it was just like drinking from a water hose for, from information and acronyms and learning how to, how to do all this, this world. And, uh, but it was like, everyone was so just happy, excited. And, um, like I felt like I was a celebrity getting here, uh, being treated like I was a, you know, a new part of a new family. And it was something that I've never experienced in my life. That was awesome. How does this place compare to maybe Hanscom or even Eglin um, when it comes to just coming in and finding happiness with people you're working with? How is that shooken out for you? So because everyone here has the same goal, right? Like to, to just, you know, do our mission. Right? Everyone here is, is vectored and, and assessed and selected. So when you get here and you're, you're, you think you're a professional, you think you're the best, and you get here and everyone is, and you're like, okay, wow, this is, this is awesome. I go from top 10% maybe to bottom 10% and, and just that quick because, because of the caliber of individual you're working with. Yeah, I think for, I mean, that goes for anybody that comes in an organization, the operators across the board, they're usually uh, top 10 big fish at their organization, and then they're just tr- fighting to stay in the middle of the pack somewhere during OTC and beyond. So again, I think that kind of culture and environment makes a place pretty special to work at. If, if you can remain humble and not take it personally when you're not in the top 10%, like you're used to. And absolutely. Yeah. From what little I've worked with you, I get that same feeling from you. And it's good to hear you talk through that because it just motivates me even more. Can you give us, give us a brief description of your responsibilities as religious affairs inside the organization? Right. So my main thing that I do uh, or any religious affairs will do if they work here is spending time with their customers. Right? You you have to have a relationship with the people you you're working for and serving in order to build trust and have people come to you. So I think the, the my favorite part of my job here is spending time with my customer, going and sitting and chatting, uh, sitting on the couch, having coffee, bringing coffee, uh, getting to know the people I work with and knowing what they do and how I can integrate my skills to help them have an easier job right so if i know someone's a gpc card holder i can use my skills as a gpc card holder to help them do their job better all those things and if i know those things about them i can just i can just integrate with them uh, quickly listening to stories and contributing where i can the other thing i do is manage that spiritual pillar at the 724 i'm the only religious affairs at the moment uh, in the group we have one who's PCSing right now. Uh, so right now I'm sitting there alone. So my responsibilities are managing pillar as the enlisted leader, right? The chaplains are, are doing their job. They're doing it well. And we have a lead chaplain who's in charge of managing pillar with me. And, and that's kind of our responsibility. And that just means executing funds, planning events, planning marriage retreats, creating uh, unique, uh, unique events to do during quarantine, you know? Um, traveling to where our deployed airmen are and visiting with them and getting to see what they do uh, in a deployed setting and just letting them know like when you get to go downrange with with a guy you get to really see them at a vulnerable position and you get to they get to really feel like they're cared for like man no one cares for me more than this chaplain right now because he came to, to spend time with me at a place that i have to be at when he doesn't have to uh, so doing those things, it's it's super awesome, and I really enjoy uh, the responsibilities that I have. 
What's some of the feedback you've gotten, maybe from spouses, maybe from the operators since you've been here? Because you guys, I would say, are you're pushing, you're pushing the limits. You're you're walking really at places that there's no footprints in front of you, um, which is exciting to me too. But what's some of the feedback you've gotten since you've been here? Some of the big feedback that I've got is that I've really helped people understand um, spiritual pillar better and understand what religious affairs do because I'm the first religious affairs for most people in their Air Force career in the special operations community. Uh, most TACP, PJ type people have never met a religious affairs person. So they're like, what do you do and why do you do it? Why do you even be? Um, I know what I do. Right? As the PJ or the CCT guy saying, I know what I do. I know what I do very well. What do you do? Why are you? And um, getting to hear from spouses that their husband is now a better man because of us or getting to hear from a, a husband that their marriage is now together because of us uh it, it's it's something that you can't you can't get that anywhere else um you can't get that as a friend to a guy who maybe you've helped them through the hard time in their life but as as someone who's a stranger and you get to help someone through that that's huge when i got here uh, we had a death Right. It was one week before I got here, there was death. Seeing the amount of care that was provided to the family through our, through this, you know, HPO as a whole, but as a chaplain too, and uh, the responsibility that we had in planning a funeral, in planning the homily, right? Like sharing with the family, like, hey, this is, this is what happened. Here's who this person was. Here's his caliber of individual. And just getting to share with the family uh, in that time and just meet them where they were, it's, it's indescribable, the honor that we have in doing that. Uh, so the feedback has been super positive. And, I, and I've heard that like people, people don't get this in any other place because we're so close with the families and so close with the people that we work with. Man, that's awesome. I can just tell by talking to you that you have found probably your niche in life, at least in the military, sounds like you really find some satisfaction in this. And I think that's just going to increase your effectiveness and, and people um, being magnetically drawn to you when you come into one of those situations. So it's good that we got you. Before we go any farther, too, I just want to put it out to the audience that that position that is PCSing, we have an open position that we need to fill. So if I'm sitting in religious affairs out there and I know it's about time to move and I'm listening to Chris talk uh, it's, I'm telling you, I'd be drawn. I'd be drawn to this place just to get to work with you. I think I'm not trying to like blow up your ego here, but, uh, really it sounds like you are in the position that you're supposed to be in. Let's talk about the flexibility. Cause I think a lot of people are probably sitting out there, um, probably constrained by money, maybe constrained by their leadership's views of what they should be doing. Explain the flexibility you have here and, and how you've uh, worked with that. Absolutely. So, our budget is, is very good. I, I wouldn't say it's the best in the world and it's the best that it could be, but it's very good. And it gives us a lot of flexibility to execute uh, multiple marriage retreats, multiple airman events. Uh, whereas in, the, in my old wing, it was, you could, you'd be lucky to get one. You'd be lucky to get two. Um, or, or you just have to deal with finding out how to do things for free, essentially. Where here, you have the flexibility to be unique. And to take your airmen to a, a an actual fun place to go to, right, for a retreat, an actual nice place to go to, as opposed to just uh, what the cheapest we can find. 
And so that that's some of the biggest flexibility we have is, as far as the budget and also just the normal day-to-day operations that the chapel floor does, we don't have. I don't have a chapel that I have to manage. I don't have a CTOF budget that I have to uh, manage as, as, as myself where we have the wing doing that thing for us. So the wing's taking care of a lot of the overhead and oversight for us so that we can execute our day-to-day mission uh, with less constraints than normal. Uh, I remember sitting at the chapel at Hanscom and just being overwhelmed with the administrative uh, queep, for better lack of better words, and not being able to just be out with um, the organizations, the units that I was assigned to, and now here it's it's literally the opposite. I used to be I get to be out with those people, get to go TDY with those people. I get to invest in the daily life of the people I work with, as opposed to dealing with how do I figure out how to write a contract for a new person to work at the chapel? How do I figure out how to uh, manage this background check program? Versus, and, and instead of doing that, I get to do that. Awesome. From somebody that's been here since 97, when we did not have a chaplain at all, uh, we had to borrow one from the 720th group who that was before the SAO existed, right? And the 724th group existed, uh, or we'd have to borrow one from the command if we needed one to where we're at now is just impressive. Um, and every time the feedback that I get when y'all leave a room in y'all's wake, if you will, uh, is just positive. Uh, so with all that said, and I know I'm I'm kind of excited about having this conversation with you today because I really like where we're going with this. For those out there who are considering their next move, why do you think the 724 could be valuable, uh, a valuable assignment to them? Uh, so before coming to AFSOC or Special Ops or whatever you want to call it, I had heard from a lot of people that it's a career, it's a career killer um, or, or that you won't get a good strat. Uh, because you're around such a high caliber of people. I've only ever heard that from people who don't work here. I've never, the people that work here aren't worried about it because they're all performing at a level that is, uh, they're going to earn the commensurate stratification or or progression, right? You're going to be challenged here more than you'll be challenged at any other organization as a staff sergeant or a senior airman or as a technical sergeant. You're going to be challenged here more than any. As a chief, chiefs are challenged everywhere. Chiefs are challenged in, in every category all the time. As a staff tech in the chaplain corps, maybe you're not challenged right now. You'll be challenged here more than ever. And when you leave here, you'll be smarter, more knowledgeable, and more experienced than any other religious affairs person as a peer than anywhere in the Air Force. Yeah, I like that. I'll give an operator perspective, too, of... From my viewpoint of being here so long, um, what you'll also get to do here is be a part of an organization that is changing the nation and the world because we're having to solve some of the hardest tactical problems out there for the nation and the world um, in hand. And uh, the role you guys are playing to keep guys and girls healthy so they can do their job is an immense responsibility that I know I can see in your face. You get immense satisfaction out of that, too. So. What a cool place to come work, I think, and that's why I've been here so long. Uh, with that said, though, um, for those thinking about making this a, an opportunity, what are the traits that you yourself think makes a person that would be a natural fit inside the religious affairs at 724? I think the first trait would be some stress tolerance. You've got to be able to handle uh, 
stressful situation that you're going to be put in and there's going to be changes uh, last minute changes all the time you're going to have to be able to flex to those those changes and not um, be so prideful or so arrogant or so set in your ways that you can't flex and and change in the in those moments um, we're expected to be uh, able to handle stress in general but here it should be even higher um, you talked about humility uh, earlier in the podcast we talked about that a little bit i think the humility and meekness goes a long way in this organization because um the ca- we're, we're with the best of the best right if we're the elite ground force in the air force you're going to be around some of the best people you've ever met, and you're not one of them as an RA. You, unless you've saved the world, I don't know who you are, Superman, religious affairs guy. Uh, you, you're not going to be the best in the room, and um, you're not going to be the smartest in the room. So be humble and meek and, and, and show up when you have to. If you have a capability to bring, if you have um, experiences to bring, bring that up when you have to, um, but just know that. Um, Humility goes a long way. Love it. Any other trait that you think's key to the position? Yeah, I think that knowing yourself, uh, kind of having a self-awareness of, of what you're doing, what you're saying, and who you're around is important. Uh, if you think that um, everyone thinks you're the funniest guy in the world, hopefully you are. Uh, but if people actually don't respond with laughter, you're probably not the funniest guy in the world. So you, you got to know yourself, know how to read a room, and know when know when you shouldn't ask questions or get involved in people's day-to-day conversations because um, people are busy and if they're talking to you they're not working so uh, know know when to come in know when to leave know what to say and and, um, and don't get your feelings hurt if, if it's not time for you to sit and talk to someone yeah love it i just want to mention the audience and i'm going to put the link to our website down in the show notes but as folks go to that website and start looking around and looking how to apply and whatnot, um, our assessment and selection process is, uh, what's the right way to say it? It's, it's more rigorous than most that you're going to deal with in the Air Force because we get to hand select everybody that comes here. So you run the religious affairs selection process. I've been through several of them as we've tried to hire for this position. What are some things those out there who are going to our website, seeing seeing some of the stuff, what can they expect during that ANS process? Sweet. So you're going to expect to come out, TDY, and meet all of us who you're going to work with. We're going to ask you to do some homework, ask you to do some impromptu things. We're going to do some physical training, but nothing nothing crazy, right? If you can pass an Air Force PT test, you can keep up with us. I like it. I'll just piggyback on here before you keep going of, when you come into a, a unit where there are a hundred or more operators as well, and you're looking for the way to um, close that gap with them as fast as possible, the exercise, being in the gym, that piece is the quickest way. Coming from an operator, that is the quickest way. If I see you in there more than a couple of times, I'm going to start closing the gap with you because now I'm interested of, hey, what's your backstory? Who are you? Um, I like that you're in here all the time. So anyway, I just want to throw that in there because I see you guys, I see the chaplains in there all the time as well. So that's helped me get to know them a lot better. Absolutely, yeah. The, all the conversations in the gym, that's when work gets done. And you're really growing as uh, in relationship with people. If you're not there, then you're not where the people are. Chris, I would just add to the beautiful thing about our organization when you come in, you might not have the background of that but we have coaches we have athletic trainers we have physical therapists we have a whole staff that will get you 
better at those things that you might not be good at now. So it's kind of like a natural fit. All you have to be have is the drive to want to do it. And we have the resources to help you out. Absolutely. Drive is one of the biggest factors that, that, that contributes to your success here. You are motivated. We'll see it in your homework. We'll see it in your interview. If you are uh, hesitant at all or not really caring about putting in all the effort, we'll know. We'll know instantly because we've seen it. We've seen 100 different people trying to interview here. We know what it looks like to be driven, and we know what it looks like uh, to not be. How do they get the hiring decision, Chris, at the end of all of this? So at the end of the day, uh, at the end of the week, uh, you'll be told from a board, um, whether whoever sits on that board, it, it changes, but you'll be told if you're hired or not. You're going to be given feedback on why you weren't hired or why you were a full 100% feedback, um, blunt as, as can be. And um, you'll, you're going to gain, even if you don't get hired, you're going to gain something from this process. You're going to be told something about yourself you probably didn't know. And you're going to take these skills that you've learned just through an interview and apply them to your career. Uh, you'll know before you go home whether or not you're hired. And by the time you get home, you're going to have a, a conversation with the recruiters and talk about getting orders and everything set up. And, and um, you'll be on your way. I was here in three months from the time I got hired to the time I got here. Um, we are going to do a podcast with some spouses this week. So before I lose you on this podcast, um, what are some things the spouses can expect from religious affairs folks and the uh, chaplains as they integrate into the unit? Because some of them are coming from units that may have a chaplain or may have to borrow it like we used to. What is that going to feel? How is it going to feel different for them as they integrate into the 724? So it's going to be different because they're going to have their own specific chaplain who's always going to be there for them. They don't have to call a chapel and get a random chaplain. They will have the chaplain's cell phone. They will have my cell phone and they will have a personal relationship with us for the whole four year, whatever tour that they're here with us. And they don't have to catch them up on the, on a, a previous issue. They already know you have a relationship built up already and it's a very close one. There's, there's never a time of the day when we don't field phone calls to spouses uh, that are going through any number of issues. We're 24 seven, uh, but they can expect that we will be there for them all the time. And we will do things for them, for their families. We will provi provide childcare for the retreats, right? We're gonna make sure that you get to spend time with your spouse and your family as much as you can, because when they're gone, they're gone. But when they're back, we want you integrate well together we want to be there to help that process yeah before we um, start closing out here give an example of a marriage retreat um, what is the design behind them when are y'all executing them in relation to guys on deployments or coming home from deployments and i guess ultimately what is the ultimate goal as you plan it and walk away from it at the end after it's over what do you hope to achieve so a marriage retreat looks like um it's a it's a weekend long type of retreat uh, and it's going to be at a hotel resort type place. Uh, could be on the beach, could be in the mountains, could be at a like a water park type place. And it's going to happen. The goal is every deployment site. So if your spouse is gone, when they get back, they should be eligible for a retreat. And you guys are going to go on a retreat and your family's going to come. It's going to be free. All you have to do is get there. And that you'll have a date night. You'll have 
childcare provided, you'll have four hours at least of instruction from us. So you're going to be able to gain some kind of insight on how to be a better spouse. You're going to gain some insight on how to be a better human. Um, and you're going to learn some stuff about, uh, about each other during the process. And hopefully you get intimate and close with each other because you've been gone, uh, separated. And you get to just enjoy the beach or you get to enjoy the mountains as a family and know that the, the, the organization cares so much about you that they're willing to spend the money to treat you like this. Um, and our, ultimately, our goal is that we create a strong family bond. If we have a strong family bond at home, when they're gone, the, the bond is strong still, and they don't have to worry about it breaking down when they're apart. Awesome. Uh, there's no secret that the foundation of our success is the bedrock of it is the healthy families and you guys have been just instrumental and i've seen the uh stability of that over the years and man shout out to all of you for helping us with that all right chris so as we wind down what are some saved rounds what are some things uh that you haven't said that you would like to say i guess i'd like to end with saying that this is the best thing the best assignment um, that I can imagine if I had it my way, I'd stay here forever and just continue to work and do and do the work for serving the guys here. I think everyone here would say that honestly. Um, it's, it, I feel honored and privileged to even be able to be a part of it, be a part of the history that it's making, uh, and the change in the world that it's making. Um, so as we conclude here, if you have questions about religious, the religious affairs position um, here at the unit, all you have to do is go to the website, contact the recruiters. They will get you in touch with um, Chris or any of the other chaplains that we have here and get you some answers. Uh, I can also help with that. So if you leave some comments below, I can um, see those comments and I can get you in touch as well. Ultimate goal is we need this position filled because of the value it brings to the organization. So if this sounds interesting to you, please reach out to our recruiters and let them know. All right, Chris, it's been awesome, man. I hope you have a good weekend, brother. Thanks, Trey. I hope you do too. Thanks for having me and, and, and really letting me know, uh, making me feel like you think this is important and that they really will benefit from uh, a strong chaplain corps presence. Absolutely will, man. Appreciate it, buddy. Have a good weekend. We'll see you next time, man. Thank you. All right, folks, another Insight Through Experience podcast down. I want to thank Chris one more time for coming out and talking about religious affairs, and hopefully we can get the information out and bring somebody in to help him and the chaplains provide the excellent service that they provide to everybody here at the 724. For everybody else listening, whether you're support or you're an operator, if you want to join an organization that makes a difference in the world every day, then just contact our recruiters today to learn how to apply. All right, I hope everybody has a great week. Thank you for tuning in to the Insight Through Experience podcast. Later, y'all.